any Monopoly players? That game's been around forever. Monopoly. The sole purpose of Monopoly is who has the biggest bank account. Who can get the most stuff? Who can get to hotels the fastest? Or at least who can get to Park Place the fastest and crush everybody? But the sole purpose of the game is acquisition of wealth. And if you're like me, when you play that game, you're competitive, cutthroat even. What kind of deal can I make for some properties and take over? And you can keep score, and it's obvious. Your bank balance is your score sheet, right? I got to tell you, one of the greatest challenges, for me at least, and I'm speaking for me personally when I say this, one of the greatest challenges for me spiritually is I wish that my spiritual life had a score sheet like that. Or maybe I don't. <laughs> but I wish, one of the greatest challenges is we go to work, we earn money, we acquire stuff, we can see our bank balances grow or diminish depending on the direction of your tra current trajectory. We can kind of get a feel for where we are. We paid off our debt. What's going on? We know where we stand. And I know if I do this, it'll produce this result. If I go to work, I will get paid, right? Spiritually, it's tougher than that, isn't it? I go to church on Sunday. I read my Bible. But if I read my Bible three times this week or if I read my Bible 20 times this week, there's no immediate measurable, it's not, there's not necessarily like, oh, look, my balance grew with Jesus. You ever face that tension? It's like, I'm trying to be a better Christian, but am I? Like, I don't know. I don't really know where I stand. It's just like, it's not competitive, like, oh, I'm a better Christian than you. It's just, I would really like to tangibly be able to keep track of where I stand with God. And you live in this tension where it's like, I want to do what I'm supposed to do, but then there's no immediate feedback to keep you doing it. You know, one of the most compelling things about cell phones now is like, boop, notification, boop. You know, that's the instant, like, feedback. You post something, somebody comments on it, there's instantaneous feedback. It's psychologically addicting, honestly. But, you know, and so it's like, oh, I put this out there and there's feedback. I put this out there and there's feedback. There's a part of me that wishes God would go, that was a great prayer, well done. You know, like, <laughs> Or if I pray, some angel will go, like, you know, like some kind, of, some kind of tangible, you're doing the right thing, Charlie. Keep going. Maybe you've experienced that. Well, it's no wonder that as Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount, he actually mentions there kind of is, or it seems like the way the passage leads in, there kind of is a scorecard that maybe we're not even aware of or can't necessarily see. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We're just going to read 19 and 21 first, and then we'll go from there after that. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust can consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I read that passage, and what's my immediate response? How do I build my heaven bank account? <laughs> like, I mean, how do I play Monopoly on a spiritual plane? I mean, that's kind of how I respond when I read that verse. Like, wait a minute, we can store treasure in heaven? And there's a slightly paranoid part of me that goes, what if I get to heaven and I'm completely broke? I mean, I'm in heaven, but I'm like, having to borrow some money for communion bread or something? Like, I'm just, like, how much money's in the bank account in heaven, Jesus? Like, how do you build that? 
I mean, that's kind of a tangible question, right? Store up for yourselves in heaven. Kind of implies that you can. That maybe we don't have an angel liking our comments or whatever, but we do have some ledger, or is that really what we're talking about? Oh, you're a good Christian. You've got $100,000 in income in heaven. Is that really the way Jesus meant? Or might it be that storing up treasure has to do it has to be a metaphor for who we belong to where we are investing to use the math continue to use the math metaphor here right maybe jesus is not literal like oh congratulations charlie today your spiritual bank account grew by 5000 you know that's not what he's talking about necessarily but the activity of kingdom citizenship and life of worship shows that that's where your heart is devoted so it's not that you earn your way to heaven, or that you can even earn spiritual wealth. That would be weird, especially if you don't have a clue what our spiritual wealth looks like. But maybe it is, if you're a kingdom citizen, where is your heart devoted? Because our heart is drawn to what we value the most. The, thing, the, bank, the monopoly bank account, like for real, in real life, or the kingdom of heaven's reign and bank account. Our heart is naturally drawn to what we value the most. And it gets played out. We can, and we, there is a tangible way to see this. How you live shows where your heart belongs. It's one of my favorite verses of all of Scripture, verse 21, because it's such, such a great reminder and such a great way it's been put. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you place value... What you spent, what you invest in, what you pursue with all of your heart, that's where you belong. That's the kingdom you belong to. And so Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and I, I, we're taking this kingdom citizenship perspective on this. Which kingdom do you have the biggest eyes for? The kingdom of monopoly or the kingdom of heaven? Where is your focus? But not only where is your focus, where is the actual day-to-day -day application of your life? Because I think he is speaking metaphorically because he's like, don't store up treasure in, on earth. Okay, so like savings accounts are sin? I mean, if you take that to its literal expression, that's what that sounds like, right? I'm storing up treasure. I'm disobeying Matthew 6.19. What am I most devoted to? That bank balance? Or my standing with God. And so this whole, th these couple of verses kind of set up where it goes from there because look at verse 22 and 23. Here we go. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness... How great is that darkness? Now, a lot of times we read that passage kind of out of context, right? What you, what you see, what you take in, dictates what's inside of you. And that's true, and that's actually kind of where I'm going. But when you drop this in the context of where, where are you storing treasure? What are you pursuing? What are your, where is your heart naturally drawn? And then he follows with a metaphor for eyesight filling your body with light. In other words, it's not your heart is naturally drawn to what you care about the most, but what you see, 
What eyes you have for possession on earth or possession in heaven either fills your body with light or fills your body with darkness. So if I am consumed with the kingdom of God, glorifying God, honoring God with my life, then my eyes are focused on light. If my mission in life is to build my bank account and my treasures on earth, then I'm filling my eyes with darkness. I mean, I could make that about, oh, what you watch matters. But what I'm saying is, what you, your eyes, you see it, you go, ooh, chocolate cake. You know, like, <laughs> they are the window to your soul, right? You ever, like, go on a diet fast or something, and somebody walks in with Chick-fil-A, and you can just smell it. Or fires up some bacon, you know, and you're like, how am I supposed to do this? Your eyes want what it sees, what it's focused on. So are you focused, I cite metaphor here, are you focused on the kingdom of God? Are you focused on building your own kingdom? It seems to be a metaphor running through this entire section of Scripture. Because in verse 24, what does he say? This is following the eyesight, right? This is following what you consume, what you're captivated by, where your heart goes, your treasure is. No one can serve two masters. For a, for a slave will either have the one, have the one and love the, hate the one and have. My, my eyesight is full of darkness. Hate the one or love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So, where your treasure is, there your heart is. What you take in is what fills you. What you focus on is what consumes you. Light or darkness. And you can't serve both. You'll either be a slave to one or the other. When you start stringing these passages together, you can see how they tie together, right? Store for yourself treasure in heaven. How do I do that? By being focused and filled with, with, consumed with the right kingdom. Because that, that's who I belong to. I can't straddle the fence. Metaphor is slave. Literally, who owns you? Right? The kingdom of heaven? God? Or the kingdom of money, possession, earth, and darkness? Is monopoly your God, metaphorically speaking here? Or is Jesus? Which kingdom do you have the eyes for? <laughs> I'm mixing these metaphors all over the place, but you get the idea, right? Because what we, our heart naturally goes to what we care about. We look for what, we seek out what we care about most with our eyes, and we belong to what we devote ourselves to. I don't know about you, but that makes me really do want to check the spiritual balance check. <laughs> you know, like, how am I doing on this, God? Because he launches in with that, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. So then the answer kind of becomes, how do I store up treasure in heaven? How do I build that bank account? By being consumed with the things God has given me to do. Glorify him, love him forever, love others. That stores up treasure in heaven. You don't need to see the balance. If you're a slave, you really don't have a choice in the balance. You just are, you belong to and are consumed by that particular kingdom. We try to hedge, right? We try to do that. 
I'm going to do this, but I'm going to love Jesus, and this is important. And, but you either belong to one because, or the other, because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's a great, the, the, all six of those verses, you could sit with those six verses and go, okay, Jesus, what is my bank balance, by the way? You're like, okay, Jesus, what do I belong to? What have I been consumed with this past week? What is my greatest passion? Where does my heart allegiance really and truly lie? And ask him to show you that. And I guarantee you, there is a spiritual guarantee, that if you ask him to show you that, he will. I guess you got to be careful about that. It's like, you ever heard, you know, ask, if you ask for, uh, what's it? Spiritual endurance or something, you'll get t- trials. You know, if you ask for faith, he'll make sure you get tested kind of thing. So you got to be careful. It's like, hey, Jesus, we're going to have a heart-to-heart. It's Valentine's almost. We're going to have a heart-to-heart about who I belong to. Is my heart lying? Am I building this bank or am I building this bank? Whose kingdom am I pushing forward? That doesn't mean no possessions. It doesn't mean money is evil. People always misquote that scripture and say money is evil, but the scripture actually says the love of money is evil, which kind of goes back to what we're talking about, right? Where your treasure is, is where your heart, your love, your desire will be. So if you love money, you belong to money. If you love Jesus, you belong to Jesus. It means having money. Part of it's providing. Now, if you're building your own kingdom instead of God's, or if you're trying to build a kingdom, your own kingdom instead of God's, or if you are building that, and you're worried about, I don't know when the next paycheck's going to get here. I work on straight commission, you know, whatever. I'm, I don't know if I can pay the rent, the mortgage next month. I have no idea because I got laid off at work, whatever. So if you're building your own kingdom, what would the natural result be of trying to build your own kingdom? the very next verse. (laughs) It's funny how Jesus' sermon worked out that way. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your Father in heaven feeds them Are you not more valuable than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to the span of your life? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not that much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive for, another translation says, seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow, 
For tomorrow will bring the worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Man, Jesus. Okay. Store up yourself treasure in heaven. Focus on the kingdom of God. You can't belong to both sides of both kingdoms. You can't belong to that kingdom and this one. You belong to one or the other. And one of the best ways to know if your bank account in heaven is empty or full, how much worry is in your life? If you're trying to build your own kingdom, then you are worried about building your own kingdom. And so Jesus comes along and says, don't worry. You would think the next part of the verse would be, be happy, but that's not it. Don't worry. Don't have anxious thoughts about what you'll do or what you'll wear or what will belong to you, what you'll eat. I know you're already worried about where you're going to lunch. You know what I mean? Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. Anxiety is not... I'm going to give this a caveat in a second. Anxiety is not compatible with faith. Let me explain. You would think that the opposite of faith would be disbelief, right? I have faith in God. I have no faith in God. I disbelief. The opposite of faith is worry. How does Jesus say when he says, don't worry? He says, notice the birds. You're worried about what's going to eat next. Do you see the birds freaking out like you? Right? God, if your father in heaven is so worried about a sparrow, how much more value do you have? And you're worried? Where are you placing your treasure? Where are you placing your faith? In God to provide? Or your own ability to build your kingdom? Because if you're trusting the father in heaven who takes care of the birds and the flowers, you won't have a reason to be anxious like you will if you're trying to do it all on your own. Don't worry. Now, you might be saying, yeah, but dude, <laughs> I have anxiety about all kinds of things. I worry about all kinds of things. Me too. Sometimes more often than I like to admit. Right? What do people think? What do people think about connection? What do people think about me? Am I wearing a cool shirt? You know, like we worry about this stuff. It's just how it... This is kind of how we roll. That's the kind of worry he's talking about. Why are you worried about that? Why do you care? He's going to wear sweatshirts next Sunday. Uh, why do you care? But there's this other kind of worry that maybe some of you have experienced. And it's the kind of anxiety and the kind of worry that has a psychological component that's beyond everyday worry. So when I say don't be anxious or that anxiety is not compatible with faith, the stark reality of the human sinful condition is sometimes there's anxiety beyond our ability to address. So don't misunderstand. You're not going to hell if you worry about stuff. That's not what I'm saying. Or you're not, not a Christian if you have anxiety about things. Certainly if you have debilitating psychological anxiety, you need help, right? That doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It means you need next level support to get through that. But, he's, but here's the, where does this anxiety come from that Jesus is talking about? Who you belong to. 
you belong to God, you trust His provision, you trust the bank account in heaven, you trust that He will provide for you, you trust that He will give you enough, then you have no reason to be worried. Hey, Charlie, you don't need to know your heavenly bank balance. I got you. That's what he's saying. Are you worried about the stuff? If, if God cares about a bird, he cares about you. He's worried about you. He's taking care of you. He will provide for you greater than he ever provided for Solomon, greater than he provides for a bird. If you're a bird lover, I'm sorry I'm trashing that this morning. But you get what I'm saying. He's worried about sparrows. You don't think he cares about you? And so when that anxiety builds up in us and our effort to build our kingdom gets thwarted, right? Our ability to make ends meet gets, gets us all work, worked up. Sometimes we're anxious. Have you ever been anxious and didn't even realize you were anxious? Until you had five minutes to stop and realize you were? Or didn't realize how much that anxiety was driving what you were doing? And then you go, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Why? Because you're trying to control circumstances. You're trying to control outcome. You're trying to do it on your own power. Of course you're worried. Of course you're worried. Now the opposite's also not true. Just because God will provide whatever doesn't mean you get to sit on the couch and watch Netflix and he'll just take care of you. <laughs> Right? That's not how this works either. Wouldn't that be nice? Hey, I'm on the Jesus retirement plan. I quit work tomorrow. You know what I mean? That's not what the scripture's saying either. He's not saying don't provide for your family. He's not saying don't have possession. He is saying, where does your heart lie in the midst of this challenge? Are you anxious about being able to provide for your family? Are you anxious about what other people think? Are you anxious about, are you anxious about your spiritual security? How does he actually end that, pass, that, that section of the passage? He says, you of little faith. He calls the disciples on it. If you're consumed with worry, if you're consumed with anxiety over this stuff, you're more neurotic than the birds, you of little faith. <laughs> Can you imagine Jesus saying it that way, by the way? You know, you're more neurotic. What are you all talking about? Well, we just don't know what, where this is going to happen, where, this is gonna, where we're going to go next, or how this is going to work. Think the birds worry about that? You know what I mean? So what's going on inside of us that we worry? It's a huge indicator of who we belong to. This, he says, notice it's the Gentiles who strive after this stuff. Now that's, in this context, Jesus is Jewish and he's with his Jewish followers and Gentiles are not of us, right? They're not of the kingdom of God, quote-unquote, yet, kind of thing. And so that's a parenthetical way of saying the people who are not part of the kingdom of God pursue those things. That's how you could transliterate that for us. The Gentiles pursue that stuff. People who belong to God's kingdom know they're provided for. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, okay, but what do we do with care and concern, right? A kingdom citizen, honestly, it's not so much worried about providing for yourself. A kingdom citizen ought to be worried about the care and provision of others. 
If you're going to be concerned with something, if you're going to be burdened with something, making sure somebody, something, somebody where they're going to go, what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, worry about others in that realm. Be concerned for others being provided for. Be missional in that, in that sense. Like, have you had enough? If you go read Acts chapter 2, when the, after the church is born, what does, they, what does the Scripture say that they did as they gathered? They made sure everyone had enough to eat. And that there was no needs among them. What did they do? When the church came together, they checked on each other and said, Do you need anything? Do you need anything? If you have it, give it to them so that we can focus on God. It was the mission of the church to make sure each other had everything that they need. Imagine that. God set it up to provide for the citizens of his kingdom through other citizens of the kingdom. Shocker. Right? That if I know I belong to a faith fellowship and I'm struggling, I can go to that fellowship of believers with that instead of being anxious. Whether it's prayer or financial or free meal on Wednesday night, like if I, if I am struggling with something, I'm on the same spiritual journey with another group of people who are struggling too. And together, we don't have to worry. So if you're going to concern yourself with possession or food or clothing or whatever, it ought to be directed towards loving other people. Hey, I've got extra whatever. Need anything? That's how they're, honestly, that was the, the original evangelism strategy in the first century church was this. You haven't eaten in three days? Matthew's having supper at his house tonight. Join us. Free food and fried chicken has worked for generations. Right? So they come to Matthew's house and they're, why are you feeding me for why are you feeding me for free? Why are you giving me food? Why are you giving me a cloak? Because Jesus loved us first. Let's tell you about him. And the church grew day by day. They gathered every day. Go read Acts. They gathered every day for worship. Why? Because they were providing for each other and worshiping God, making sure that no one had any needs. What do we worry about? What do we worry about? Verse 33 and 34 says this. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Build up, store for yourselves treasures in heaven. Verse 34. Seek the kingdom of God. You're worried about provision? Ironically, don't worry about that. Seek the kingdom of God, and all the stuff he just talked about will be added unto you. The irony is, we want to seek our own kingdom first, and then we're anxious. Verse 34, seek the kingdom of God, and your Father in heaven who cares about birds will take care of you. It'll be added unto you. How do I answer that? For, how, do I, how do I increase my heavenly bank account? By seeking the kingdom of God first, and then something will get added unto you. <laughs> it's almost like, I've worried about it for years. Like, how does this work? It's almost a black and white right there in the, in the passage, right? 
put God first, belong to God, as if you, Paul calls himself in his letters, a slave to Christ. Paul's words. I am a slave to Christ. That's the way he says it. I belong to Jesus. I belong to God's kingdom. My life is bent around seeing the kingdom of God. By the way, there's a couple of allusions to the Lord's Prayer in here, right? Give us this day our... Wait, we're supposed to ask God for provision in the Lord's Prayer? Shocker. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, thy will be where? On earth. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else will take care of itself. Our, the Lord's Prayer prays for God's kingdom to be happening here, for God's will to be done here. The prayer itself bends us towards this is our focus. This is our goal. This is how we live out what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom. To promote it, to see the gospel advanced, to see that others have their needs met, that God provides through us. One of my seminary professors told me, when we were talking about miracles, he said, normally, God normally works through normal means to accomplish his mission. Primarily, when God sets it up, he operates through normal means. If he has to, to accomplish his will, he will do so through supernatural means. But typically, he does it through normal. If your friend is hungry, feed him. In fact, Jesus even says, the thing, what you've done to them, you did for me, right? So he normally operates through us. He set it up that way to accomplish his purpose, to accomplish his mission through his church. But we can't, but if, we, but if he has to, you'll find yourself in the belly of a whale. <laughs> if he has to to accomplish his purpose... Nineveh was getting saved, y'all. Nineveh was getting the gospel. Jonah could not thwart God's purpose. His plan was to operate through Jonah. Jonah, go preach the gospel to them. Jonah goes, forget that. Runs the other way. God's like, okay, I set it up so I'd share the gospel through you, but if you're not going to listen, <laughs> you know what I mean? Then it's going to be a party with you and a fish for three days. He normally works through us, but if he has to, he will accomplish his purpose. And if our faith is there through a God who will always faithfully accomplish his purpose, then we have no reason to worry. But if we're placing our faith in our own ability and in our own kingdom, we have every reason to be anxious. So the question becomes, and you could write this in your journal, where does my heart lie? Where is my focus? God, show me which kingdom I belong to. What am I anxious about that I need to release to you? It's kind of like David's prayer, I think, in Psalm 139. He says, search my heart. See if there's any un unclean thing in me. Right? Search me out, God. So the, the prayer this week, the journal entry this week is, God, I, I confess to you that I'm anxious. 
I wonder who I belong to sometimes. Show me where I need to release these worries and trust you more. And I promise you he'll be faithful to accomplish that mission in you. Let's pray and then we're going to take communion together. Gracious God, search our hearts. Show us where our heart truly lies. God, help us to be aware of the anxiety in our life and remind us that it is you who is faithful to provide, that it's not up to us. Free our hearts and minds and wills and desires to glorify you and to seek your kingdom above all else. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.